Welcome to I Spit on Your Podcast, a monthly podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is a time once a month where I put down my bloody knitting needles and Kelly steps away from the TV to discuss horror, cult, and subversive cinema with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. In this episode, we are covering both Pearl and X from 2022, a massive year for a favorite of ours, Ty West. We will be discussing the harm of resentment, the dangers of romanticism, aging, and of course, sex, sex, sex. So pick your poison and listen on, if you dare. You're kidnapping, murdering, sexing. I'm a fucking star. The whole world is going to know my name. I will not accept a lie I do not deserve. Uh, all right, Jess, why did we choose two very new movies, which is, as we know, odd <laughs> for us, right? It is really odd for you and I to be up to speed with recent, re- Ooh, very up to, up speed. to speed with recent releases. <laughs> but I know that when you and I both first watched X, we were both like this. We loved it. We both really liked this film yeah. when it first came out because <laughs> A, it was like old school Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but with more sex and more violence. And it's Ty West. And mm-hmm. we always know that we're always going to have a good t- good time with a Ty West film. And so, yeah, it just was perfect. And then we heard that Pearl was being released not long after. And just so by the time we yeah. planned everything, we're like, well, Pearl Annex is going to be out. So it's kind of perfect to be able to continue following the story of this like villain from X, Pearl, and see her origin story. I'm definitely very excited to see what Maxine brings. That's going to be, like, obviously we're going to have to have another episode because we're going to have to finish off this trilogy. I'm sure it's going to be just as interesting as these other two movies, so I'm really excited. Folks, stay tuned for whenever us Canadians can watch Maxine in the future. We'll have another episode on that, but yeah, love Ty West. Interesting movies, as always. So I think normally so often new movies don't hit us as hard as X, like you said. So we're just like, we need to cover it. Oh, there's going to be another one. Let's just do both of them. We have access. Let's see this. So... Here we are today to talk about these two movies. And the first movie we're going to talk about is Pearl from 2022. family during these times is admirable but you only get one take at this life if only they would just die pardon nothing i want to be special dancing up on the screen like the pretty girls in the pictures I will not let you leave this farm again. I'm worried there may be something real wrong with me. Rumor has it they only take one gal per town. We're looking for someone with X Factor. It has to be me. How about a film nobody else has seen? Is it legal? It will be eventually. I know what I've done. Bad things. 
terrible, awful, murderous things. I want to be loved from as many people as possible. But truth is, I'm not really a good person. both know our story with this movie kelly it's a first time watch (laughs) first time watch absolutely long time fan of ty west and i personally loved x so much so of course had to check out the prequel i saw x in theaters pearl i was not able to so i rented it at home wow i was not able to see x in theaters i saw it I don't know when I saw it. I don't know. I remember just streaming it as well as same with Pearl. Yeah. I just rented it when it got became available because, yeah, it, the theaters it was playing at, I was not willing to go to <laughs> to go see it mm, in theater. Fair. <laughs> We're talking about Pearl. We'll get to X later. But, okay, so Pearl, what did you like about Pearl? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you like it? Tell me everything. First time I watched Pearl, I wasn't as struck by it as I was with X. And I know that's controversial because I know a lot of people love Pearl. And on the second watch, I came to really appreciate Pearl again on the on the second time watch. But what I liked mm-hmm. about Pearl right from the get go was the Technicolor feeling of it. Like mm-hmm. instantly you're pulled into those that old school like Technicolor 1920s, like that 1930 kind of movie mm-hmm. style that I really like mm-hmm. that kind of Judy Garland feeling the bright colors. And then when things get. Yeah. Right. Primary yes. colors. Yeah. It's very, striking. very striking. And just Mia Goss acting as Pearl is just fantastic. Like her portrayal of Pearl, I would not want to like run into in a dark alley anywhere. <laughs> uh, no way. <laughs> she makes me very nervous. But yeah, just I really like the style of it. It reminded me earlier today I was thinking of how it reminded me of the Wizard of Oz. Like mm-hmm. this is this is a story mm-hmm. of Dorothy. Is she was a sociopath of some sort? <laughs> <laughs> right? Good point. <laughs> um future essay there <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I really like that and just what, what were some things that you liked about it to be honest with you um I did like this movie you're right I liked it more in the second time watching it because as folks know we had to bump this episode uh, ahead about a month um so I like Pearl I do I think it looks great sounds great it's fairly well crafted it is a beautiful movie however I feel like Mia Goth Pearl, the character, is a tour de force. Her performance is, in my mind, bigger than the movie Mm, itself. Which might also be a dislike, because should our characters take away from the overall narrative, the overall story? I'm not sure, but when I rewatched it, I was like, this is Pearl. Like, Pearl, the character. Sorry, it's going to be confusing. (laughs) Pearl, the character. Because that's what stands out to me. Everything else I feel like is very sidelined and not as strong. Kills really aren't as big and bold and bombastic as X. I just, again, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's just, I mean, she was absolutely fan. I mean, she's fantastic in both Mm. of these movies. Again, can't wait to see Mia Goth and Maxine. But holy moly, Pearl, the character that presence, that persona, that performance is bigger than this movie. 
bigger than the she's movie itself. She's a star, and that's I, she I, is I, a I star. Love it. That's when you you bring that up, like you're right. She is just there's so much of her that cannot be contained, and I think that's like both a strength and weakness yeah. of the movie because it's like everyone else yeah. just pales in comparison to her, and that's you know, and you're interesting because you also do want to know more about the story of Pearl and why she became the way it is, but because she is such a big character, we kind of we don't get to really know more of that. We kind of we get the bits and pieces throughout the film and her interactions with people. Yeah. So that's kind of like a dislike, yeah. I suppose. Tonally, it was it's very odd for me. I get that it's kind of like this Wizard of Oz kind of blend, modernize. I understand that, but there's an aspect of it that just didn't just feels odd to me that I just it just didn't sit very well mm. with me. So I definitely didn't love Pearl, but I did enjoy it and I would rewatch it. Like it's not something I definitely like would never put on again. I would do that, but I would prefer to put on X. Fair enough, yeah. No, I really liked Pearl. When now that as I keep thinking about it more because I do like that old school, old style film. Mm-hmm. I love history, so I just love everything about how like the mm-hmm. historical references. You've got World War One, you've got the you know, pandemic that's happening there. But just that feeling the feeling that I think that you don't like, I really enjoy. Because like I said, I really mm. like that technicolor feeling of those kind of like big movies of those periods, right? But they they're so mm-hmm. uh small and different and I, I will agree with you the kills are weird but they're also like fit in line with that film as well just because they're, they're not as bloody and gory but they still have to be shocking to the audience but mm-hmm, they're just mm-hmm. they're malicious too like like I said Pearl mm-hmm. is <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's mean, mean. <laughs> I'm leaving soon. I can't stay here any longer. Howard was supposed to take me away. It'd be easier for me if I didn't feel like I was abandoning you. You understand that? I love you, Daddy, but this is no way to live. So the main things we're going to be talking about today is resentment, romanticism, porn, sex, Uh, because those are some of the predominant themes overarching between both of these movies. And then maybe so in Maxine, we will see. Can't wait. But resentment, I feel like, is this overarching main big theme besides the sex. sex yeah. Sex. Uh, but re- resentment, which is a very powerful, never realized how powerful this feeling of resentment can be in a human being. And it's so prevalent. Definitely throughout both of these movies and throughout Pearl, Uh, resentment has been described as like this mixture of disappointment, disgust, and anger inherent inside. And part of resentment is this perception of unfairness. And again, I feel like that sits so firmly in Pearl, the movie, Pearl, the character, because she feels like her whole life is holding her back. This farm is holding her back. Her family, her parents, Howard, her husband, initially was supposed to be her ticket off the farm but he's like no I love farm life let's stay here in your family home and just live here in our married life hey ho and 
kept her there. So everything is holding her back and her anger is palpable. She like we talked about, we don't want to meet Pearl in a back alley. She is mean. She is vicious when she is in this kind of spiral of these feelings of strong, strong resentment, I feel like. Oh, for sure. Like, anger and resentment are often very physical emotions, and which would make sense to the character of Pearl because she is very physical in her facial expressions and her body language. And that's often when people are experiencing signs of intense anger or resentment. It's going to be it's going to be expressed through some sort of a hostility that can be felt by the people around her. And that's one of the Mm -hmm. big things that, you you know, you pick up with Pearl, she clearly resents everyone around her and they feel it. But at the same time too, as you bring that up, like there's that other feeling of resentment that comes from her mother. Her mother resents Mm -hmm. Pearl, you know, and her resentment is palpable just as well. Right. Like Pearl's like, you can't even look at me with this face of like disappointment as well as resentment. She resents her husband because he's now invalid and that powerful yeah. scene with the mother where she they're they're having their big fight her with pearl and she's like i was supposed yeah. to be a wife not a mother to my husband yeah. right it's just like that's yeah. all you feel throughout this entire movie is it's like this clash of resentments but like you said pearls is just even larger because of the fact that she is of a different generation too right she's a, like mm-hmm. her mother is of yeah. a german descent is foreign you know a foreigner in a country that is at war with her mm-hmm. home with her home country and so you have to yeah. kind of hold she has to stifle herself and repress herself to kind of fit in yeah. where pearl's like no i'm an american i want to live the american dream i want to be a star so you can't yes. stop me you can't stop me. Yeah, I love that you bring up the, uh, the the mom because absolutely. I mean, there's so much tension too when you're when you're talking about the mother. I was like, there's so much tension in that household. I mean, I don't know how old Pearl is. I mean, you got married pretty young in the 1920s, 1910s, um, but she feels quite young to me, like maybe late teens. But there's so much tension. What I'm trying to say is that there's just so much tension. And then like normally like teenagers will butt heads with their parents, like definitely teenage girls with their moms. Like we all butt heads. There's a lot of us very, very strong emotions, but you know, the mother's taking it out on Pearl. Pearl's taking it out on them. It's just overall just a really unfortunate situation. But you know, the mother thinks that Pearl is ungrateful and selfish for having desires beyond the farm and a family. So, you know, don't have your own bodily autonomy, Pearl. Like, don't have your own needs and ambitions in life. Like, don't have that. This is where your life should be. But again, different generation. And that's what's so, I think, one of the super interesting things is that we have see Pearl in different decades, different eras, different women from different eras having very different thoughts and feelings on home life, marriage, husbands, kids, the woman's role in society, the role in the home, role of sex, right? Or resentment towards men, right? Because, like mm. you bring up, like what I said earlier, the mother having her resentment towards her now, her husband, who's an invalid, and that's his farm, so now she's left to take care of it on yeah. her own with this daughter that she feels is ungrateful, but also she has concerns about her own, her daughter's own mental well-being. Yes. And she feels like yes. she has a resentment that she has to keep her daughter away from everyone else in society because Pearl's a danger. But then you have Pearl, who has her resentment towards Howard, who was supposed to get her off the farm, but no, he wants yes, to stay on yes. the farm, and then he gets her pregnant, and she's just like, no. And I that scene really, yeah. I like I said, the scene when Pearl and her mother are fighting, I just remember yeah. taking a note down, being like, resentment towards men. They both resent their husbands. They both resent that Absolutely. they're both have to be in this position of 
I stay in the yep. home and I don't have my own dreams and I, I can't point. do what I yep. want to do, which is really interesting during a time when all the men have gone off to war. It is the women were all being asked to help out more of the war front and things are changing, you know? And so I just thought that was really interesting. Like you said, this feeling of resentment is so palpable during this in this movie throughout everything and everyone's interactions with one another. Where does all this ungratefulness stem from? How is it you find our life so beneath you? You've always had a roof over your head, food in your belly. Do you not think that came at great sacrifice from your father and I? Oh, do you think we are beneath you too? If I'm meant to live out the rest of my days with you and Daddy on this farm, then so be it. But I'm only young once. If I go to this audition and I don't get picked, then I'll come home and I'll never speak of it again, I swear. But I have to know that I tried or I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. Please, Mama, you have no idea what I'm capable of. Oh, yes, I do. I've seen the things you've done in private. You believe no one is watching. You think others won't notice? You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Um, the mother had like really wonderful pieces of dialogue. And another one that I really appreciated, or at least definitely wrote down, is that she says, getting what you want isn't what's important. Getting the most that you can out of what you have is best. Life turns out unexpected. And pontifications from a woman who is living a life she did not think she deserved and wanted to have at all, did not think she was going to end up here, but different era. She's like, no, you just be grateful for what you have. You have a family. You have a roof over your head. You have food on the table. Be grateful for what you have. Whereas I think you made a great point that Pearl is a maybe a late teens, maybe early 20s woman coming, going into the 20s and things are going to start changing and how they women are viewed, what they want with their lives. Sex is going to be different, like we're going to talk about, but very different eras. Very different. Very different. And she's just a different person. Fuck, she's just a different person than her mom. So it's a really strained, interesting relationship. And then just that resentment with Pearl stays with her, not only just within her relationship within her family, but with just everyone around around her um with Mitzi even with the projectionist like when they get something better than her she's like why is it that you get what I want how is that fair that's not fair and so Pearl has this resentment and we're going to see this later on with X that she resents anyone who rejects her resents anyone that gets something that she doesn't have or has a better life than her she just is not having it. She is not having it whatsoever. Absolutely. And that's where I kind of feel like the romanticism aspect of it. It's you're resenting what you don't have and what you think you want and think you deserve and just all resenting what you have, not being quote grateful, I guess, for what you actually do have, but romanticizing, you know, making something bigger than perhaps it is a life bigger than maybe it eventually would be. But it's really about Somebody idealizing another another life, another thing, so much that they turn it into an object, right? A subject into an object, so it could be a person romanticizing a person, like maybe romanticizing Howard, roman- definitely romanticized very quickly, the project projectionist, somebody that is going to give her 
that big, wonderful, again, I'm going to say bombastic because I like that word right <laughs> now, but a big, exciting, thrilling, captivating life that is way different than the life she's living on the farm. But it creates this ideal. And if you create such an ideal, if you do not get the ideal, you're going to be deeply disappointed. And again, that's kind of where the, the resentment comes back into it. But it's a fantasy. Romanticism is definitely so much part of creating a fantasy and um, does Pearl live a fantasy life? Have we all seen the movie? It is a fantasy. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it's created as a fantasy. It looks like a fantasy. Exactly. And she even says when the projectionist is talking to her about the films, when he's showing her the stag film for the first time, he's like, that's reality. Yep. What we're watching is reality. And she's like, I don't like reality. I like... I don't like reality. I, I, like, I like fantasy. I like the world that I'm in because it makes me yeah. feel like my life has purpose. And that's another thing that comes with romanticizing your life in molding your world to be a surrounding, to be an extension of yourselves is to make yourself and your life feel like it's more important than it is. And your life is important, but it's, you know, but it's like people are doing this to give their lives meaning. It allows us to create a reality that we need to thrive. And it was really interesting just reading articles about romanticism. So I was like, this is definitely something that, I mean, I can relate to it. I went into a career that I romanticized being way better than it is. I thought it was going to be fantastic and glamorous and glorious. And in the end, I got celiac disease out of it. So... So I get it. Let's all live in reality. It sucks. Absolutely. But it allows people to, I think, and just in, it just allows her to envision something better. Maybe when you get to that, it is not what it what you thought it would be, but it helps you in the moment. It helps you, I think, kind of live in the moment. Mm-hmm. It allowed her to at least, I think, wake up every day and do what she needed to do on the farm because she's like, I'm not always going to be doing this. There's a way out. There's something to look forward yeah. to. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to have, but also not to like obviously over idealize it. Yeah, it's like like everything. There's balance. Like you can't yes. completely live yeah, in a exactly. fantasy world. You have to understand there are some realities and some truths to your, the situation in which if you yes. need to get to that place, you need it, the things are not going to be great, right? But there's also yes. but. Romanticization comes up in many ways. It also comes up in the film through this concept of the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a romanticization yeah. of what Americans, of what your life in America is supposed to be like. And a lot of foreigners, immigrants who were sold at this, there would be this better life for them when they are living in America, right? Ruth Pearl's mother is a German immigrant, and she thinks life will be better for me in America. Howard rejected his you know, his own wealth to be a hardworking farmer because that's the American dream, working in the land, being a soldier, right? It can be destroyed when you don't fit the ideal of the American dream. And we see that happen to Pearl when she's literally told that she is not the all-American girl that is supposed to be part of this all-American dream. And that is destroying because she gets, she has that rejection because she is, she doesn't have the X factor. Yeah, which she thinks she does. So that is such a powerful rejection that is hard to watch. Knew it's coming, hard to watch. Um, and there is this, I grabbed this New York Times article because it uh, it kind of came up when we were looking into romanticism. But it was this whole, apparently there was this movement throughout the pandemic, the grimmest timeline, something called romantic, quote, romanticize your life or be the main character. So essentially a call to action on social media, which I miss because I'm not really on the social media much, but to make the mundane special. Again, grimmest times, lots of lockdowns, you're 
regular life that, you know, maybe you took for granted little bits and things, but appreciating the moment, little things in life. It kind of was asking us to appreciate what we have right in front of us and to live with intention, no matter how mundane our daily rituals might be. So that was really interesting. And maybe, you know, Pearl should take a little bit of that into herself. But what really I took out of that article, which made me kind of laugh, and I was like, this is so perfect for this movie, is main character energy. What is that? A friend of mine said that to me yesterday. She's like, oh, they definitely like are very main character. I was like, I don't even know what this is until I read this article. But main character energy, Pearl, Maxine for sure, which we'll talk about, but Pearl. Oh my God, we've talked about this movie is a production. Pearl, the character, is a massive tour de force performance and character, but the main character in a story has agency and propels a narrative forward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in, like when we read these, read stories, watch movies, being becoming the main character, being the main character in these stories is a way of creating a more authentic self, making space for who you are, right? And that's exactly what Pearl wants to do. She wants to create her own story and create her own life be the main character in her story, she has that kind of like bravado to her as well, right? So she definitely has main character energy. What do you think? I agree. She definitely has main character energy, but she has that energy of being like anyone who's not going to support and be the 100% of support of this main (laughs) character is in danger. But also, it's also dangerous also for Pearl because at the very end of the movie where... Everything hasn't turned out the way she wants it, right? Yeah. And she's like, well, Howard's going to come back, and somehow I need to make things better for Howard not to leave me because, you know, right? So she uh, creates this other new fantasy of, like, okay, well, if I couldn't have this, this is what I will have now. And then you can tell that very long, drawn-out scene at the end of the movie, the smiling, crying face. You're just like, oh, wow. She is, A, there was so much resentment in that look and so much delusion. She, like, hates Howard just as much as she needs him to support her main character energy, you know, because that's the only way that she's going to be able to... I guess you could say, like, thrive or live in this situation. And we see that she thrives. We'll see this later in X, that they have thrived. And they have somehow created some sort of situation (laughs) to allow Pearl to have what she wanted, even if it wasn't what she wanted. Yeah, I know. We're kind of, you brought up the ending, so we might as well touch more on that. Something, another quote, again, very poignant movie. Um, Conformity is peaceful. So she says that to the projectionist and we kind of, I think a lot of us can understand that living a conventional quote normal life would be very straightforward. You just fall into these roles. There's not a lot of conflict, right? So to speak. So yeah, at the end, she resigns her fate to living on the farm and just awaits for him to come home. And in that incredible monologue to Mitzi, she says that she feels like something is missing that other people have, but she doesn't have it. Like she's missing something that other people want. And that's kind of how I interpreted it. Part of me is thinking that definitely Pearl has mental illness. Okay. There's a definitely an element of that. However, but I think mainly what she's uh, referring to is that element of the desire for an unconventional life. Oh yeah outside of what everybody else wants in 19, uh, 1918 when this was set. I mean, you and I both live very unconventional lives, but obviously it's way easier and we have the privilege that we can do that in 2023 than Pearl does in the 1920s. So she's deeply resentful of the repression that she has to feel. And she's like, okay, yep, well, 
I guess this is my fucking life. I live on this farm now. And I thought it was really gross and interesting. And I really thought about it more on like that second watch. But the table of dead people. Mm. How do you feel about that? Dead people, dead rotting things. Well, I, well, like I said, she's completely in her delusion, right? That she, yeah. like the fact that she just like set them up like at the dinner table, like Ma and Pa are there and Howard's going to show up and she's just going to continue life on. Like that's now part of that new fantasy that she, that she's created for herself. And to me, it just showed how far gone Pearl was mm-hmm. and that there was yeah. no coming back yeah. from, from that. The, there really couldn't be anyway for, for her coming back no, from no. that. How about yourself? Yeah, I saw it as like this perversion of the Mayberry farm. I was like, everything is rotten, dead, decaying. What like a stark contrast to what it was kind of prior, you know, remain good and virtuous. Don't covet others. Appreciate what you have. You know, what's also funny, too, is the name of the farm is called Powder Cake Farm. And I when I realized that on the second watch, I kind of laughed. So I I thought that was funny that that was the name of the farm, too, because she literally is a powder keg. Like she could go off at any point. The wrong thing, the wrong. Like if you get any matches towards it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Pearl has maybe delusions of grandeur. I really was rooting for her to get what she wanted because fuck, why not? But you know, a movie even opens with Pearl daydreaming of being this dancer in the spotlight. She dreams of becoming a star. And again, leaving that world behind, that farm life behind. She says, I'm special. The whole world will know my name. It's interesting how they pervert the element of her wanting to be a star with her mur- her murderous sociopathic behavior because we clearly like as we learn throughout the film that she kills small animals she has these feelings like her mother knows that she is not safe in society and so she's like denying her that ability to have that dream because she's like no I think if we were to be left alone in society you would do some serious damage but if that was not the case with Pearl we would definitely be 100% even more rooting for her like being like yes we really want you to have that unconventional life because you deserve it like why should you be brought to the farm but then we're like we're shown that she's killing geese and like feeding people to crocodiles or like oh no yes there's there's a darker (laughs) layer a lower onion layer of pearl that i don't know still i root i was rooting for her in a way for sure for sure (laughs) maybe she'd feel a lot better when she just got out in the world but unfortunately pearl again you romanticize the life off the farm you know what your life on the farm seems pretty fucking good in uncomplicated. But, which then, <laughs> but. but then this leads us into another aspect of this film that comes up, and that is repression, and especially mm-hmm. sexual repression, because mm-hmm. I feel like Pearl, and we, we see this in X2, she gets um, sexual fulfillment from murder. And if all she's been able to do is to murder people and murder things, mm-hmm. I think she. I think if she had more sex, then she wouldn't be killing a bunch of people. I can relate. So speaking, yes, a, a nice segue getting into talking about sex and porn is the projectionist, uh, thirst trap extreme. But he, I mean, he, I think is this 
wonderful symbol of autonomy, freedom, art, culture, taboo, right? Sex, smoking, art, drinking. He's bohemian. He's bohemian. And he just had very inspirational things that were very also influential things to Pearl. He's like, it's admirable to take care of her family, but don't forget to live your own life. True, true, truer words have not been spoken. But also he says, if you don't take advantage of it, your life, when you're young, you won't get a second chance. And then we know that that's going to last with Pearl as she gets older and into her senior years. Yeah. You know, she's like, well, I'll wait till my parents die and then I'll get off the farm. It's like, no, you can't keep putting your life on hold. You do have to take responsibility for your own life and your own happiness. And I know it's hard for her again, 1918. But I think Pearl is very self-aware of like who she is, what she wants, her place in life, her age. And she opens up to this projectionist, this man that she literally just met. But it seems to be, again, this like wonderful symbol of a life that she wants. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go off to Europe, whatever. And she's like, whoa, yeah, you can just do that. Like you just you're just going to do that. It's wild to her. And then so just delicious to her as well. So, well, prior to the 1920s, like Kelly brought up earlier about chastity and modesty, a lot of sexual sex in the night before the 1920s was focused around Protestant values in the U.S. So lots of chastity, modesty, sex was only was linked to original sin and should only ever Mm -hmm. only ever participate in sexual acts between a legally married man and woman for the purpose of procreation. Anything outside of that? Premarital sex, homosexuality, prostitution, and pornography was seen as deviant. Deviant. They loved that term back then. (laughs) Deviant behavior, but the war changed things, as wars tend to do, because we see a couple Mm -hmm. things happen, such as we have a bunch of American soldiers heading over to Europe. Europe is a country that is very open and welcoming to sex, so we get a rise of venereal diseases. We have a rise of sexual education, because it's becoming important for soldiers to understand what happens when you have unprotected sex, because this was impacting the manpower in the war effort, and we also start seeing this rise of the use of birth control. So all this is, is happening because of the war, which also then bleeds back into a society where women are now gaining more economic independence because all their men are off to war, they're out there earning jobs and earning money, so these old traditional conventions were no longer holding them back, which was allowing women to express themselves sexually, and it was becoming more publicly displayed, and we get the image of what we call the flapper who is, I 100% think if Pearl was allowed to be on her own, she would be a flapper. Wearing loose loose and revealing clothing, feeling (laughs) sexual, like dancing dancing around, very sexually charged. There's a lot of sexually charged motion pictures were coming out and influencing the youth. A lot of racy public sex scandals were happening. Sex was hot. Sex was happening. Sex was hip. People were becoming more interested in sexual behavior. And in fact, they were starting to pay for it. 
So yeah, like you said, racy, sexy movies, pornography had slowly started to become a thing. Silent porn was becoming widespread, though it was criminalized. Public pornography was scorned. Everything had to be in secret. But we see in the movie, like you said earlier, Jess, that the projectionist, with all of his bohemian connections, shows her a stag film, which is silent pornography, which we kind of see in it, which I thought was really adorable to see. It's silent, it's black and white, it's got that like charm. I was like, I'm thinking of like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu, just like those wonderful, sweet, silent films. Everything's so classy. A stag film at that time was a type of a pornographic film produced in secret. They had certain traits. They were brief. They were silent. They depicted explicit or graphic sexual behavior that were, of course, intended to appeal to men and were produced, again, in secret because censorship and, you know, it was not something that you could talk about in public. You know, men would go to these like little theaters to see it again in in private because that's definitely not something you shared. Definitely not something that you embellished in. And that was just kind of the time. Yeah. Antique porn was really about voyeurism. Like Kelly said, mm. silent films are being watched, but it was more about the act of watching two bodies, two people having sex than the actual bodies mm -hmm. themselves. So like we see in this, the stag film in Pearl, you, yeah, you see genitals, but everyone is still fully clothed and they're just having sex. And when you look yeah. at a lot of old, like stag films from the 1910 to 1930s, especially American ones, it's, it's really interesting that the American pornography was a lot more reserved than its um, original counterpart. So like the first, first porn that was ever made was at 1895 in Paris, France. And it was the first motion picture screened by French filmmakers that started producing pornography. And then the world, and then when the American soldiers saw all this, uh, these films and the uh, projectionist talks about how he got this film from overseas, mm. kind of yes. referencing back to a more risque type mm -hmm. of uh, material that American soldiers would bring this over and then they would show these films at like bachelor parties with like other men or they, you could go to brothels. You could only watch these in brothels as well. Yeah. And it was more just about watching people have sex and actually looking at the bodies. So it was really interesting but like kelly said it's coming out now people are having more of these expressing themselves sexually and about uh talking more about physical pleasures another thing that came out in the 1920s were these things called petting parties where <laughs> yeah where <laughs> a lot of flappers would be engaged but it was mm -hmm. where people were encouraged to experiment but within limits so they're not to be confused with orgies and it was just honestly mm -hmm. just involved a lot of kissing physical contact probably some dry humping mm -hmm. is and it was allowing mm -hmm. women to be able to explore sexuality without having sex and without the pregnancy of stis and people were scandalized by these petting parties <laughs> <laughs> as they would be because so, everybody's so religious yeah, so you're having these petting Get parties you have silent pornography coming out you have racy mm -hmm. stories people are having more sex people talk about sex and we see this in pearl 
because we know that she has repressed sexual expressions and it's almost like yes. her psychopathy is entwined with it because she wants yeah. to express herself with her body and her mind through her dancing through physical connection mm-hmm. and when she can't have what she wants whether it's like a hug from her mother which we see at the very end of the film she gets like she goes for yeah. her mom's dead corpse for a hug and the perceptionist when he rejects her in bed when she's just like let's get on, let's get it on he's like I think there's someone downstairs maybe your father she's like what are you doing <laughs> like we're here yeah yeah it's all in like that that sexual anxiety really simmers underneath the surface because she we know that she probably yeah. used sex to get Howard well she admitted it she used sex to get Howard to get her out but then he just got her pregnant and got her stuck Yes, absolutely. And we can't forget the infamous scarecrow scene. Yes. So if a poor woman needs to resort resort to scarecrow sex, I, again, I feel bad for her. But she did envision it as a projectionist because who wouldn't? But yeah, absolutely. And so with the projectionist showing her the Stag film, that just like ignites this flame even higher, even brighter. It's going to burn even... Um, Potter, right? He shows her porn. And what's important about that, because it carries into, obviously, into X. These movies just beautifully work together as parallel movies and characters with Maxine and Pearl. But he talks about how it's going to revolutionize the film industry and that people are going to want to pay to see people having sex on film. And he's like, I could see you in these yes, films. Yes, he makes a comment to her about being in a porn. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that's probably why she loses her loses loses it in X when she actually sees a porn being filmed. She's like, that could have been me. <laughs> I think there's lots of elements of yes, but it's a nice little like little bug in the ear, right? Because she sees it. She met. I feel like he was such an important kind of supporting role character in her in her production. But uh, it was important because, again, you start seeing these things later on in X. So I think that maybe is a perfect segue for us to get into talking about the film X from 2022. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. That day's a struggle and may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. I just wanna So this is it. Our own studio backlog. You're looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly song, bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. He don't know what we're doing, does he? Well, it's better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? What's advice? I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. Eyes are gonna pop out of their damn skulls when they see this. 
Are you all right? No. Boys found this inside. What do you think is on it? I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. So I don't know about you, Jess, but I had been anxiously awaiting a new movie from Ty West. So in 2016, he released In the Valley of Violence, which I have not seen yet. I don't even think I think I looked it up and it's not available for streaming in Canada. Nowhere to even rent as far as I know. Um, but that was his last feature, 2016. So it's quite a long time. But the last one that I saw of his was The Sacrament in 2013. Uh, sorry, 2013. Yes which I loved. Also, like, The Innkeepers, House of the Devil. So for me, I was so happy to see this. And again, like I said, I saw it in theaters, and I was really, like, I don't see a lot of new movies overall, but definitely not a lot of new movies in theaters, because unless they really are going to grip me and everything, I don't know, the stars align. <laughs> but I was like, I am I'm seeing X in theaters. Like, I need to. And I think this was, like, March 2022 or February, something, like, it was early, early last yeah. year I got to see it. It was, like, my first movie in 2020. 22 like in theater I'm pretty sure but I was so happy for him and I was so excited to see this and well I loved it so yay for me I guess <laughs> <laughs> no same here like you I also really enjoy Ty West stuff and the last film that I also had watched by Ty West had been the sacrament as well so mm. I was really super happy to see this film I didn't see it in, in theaters I just I streamed it online but for me I was just so happy because it was like that type of horror film that I wanted to see that I didn't get with the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out in twenty in twenty twenty one the year prior and then we get in twenty twenty two where it get like we get X but like we got that feeling that like gritty seventies Texas Chainsaw Massacre feeling that I really liked so I really I, I just remember to it being my first film from twenty twenty two and being like this is a good start I'm really happy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent start. Okay, so yeah, what did you love about it? What did you like about it? Like I was saying earlier, I really enjoy, I like a lot of films from the 1970s, so anything that can mm-hmm. grab that vibe or that feeling of the genre mm-hmm. that it's coming from, and Ty West is really good yeah. with doing that. I love all the characters in X. I was actually sad when so many characters die, and it's so funny mm-hmm. because like you know they're going to die, you know, but like... There's just so many good moments and such good writing that you just really got in. You got yeah. really into those characters yeah. as they went along in their in the journey. It made me feel uncomfortable yeah. at points. Like it was gritty. It was scary. Like I hadn't been scared mm-hmm. in a long time um, with the film that recently. What are what have you like? I agree. It looks fantastic. Cinematography, fantastic. I mean, that shot of Mia Goth in the water, amazing. The crocodile scene, like it's. It's so fantastic. But yeah, the premise, the music, the performances, I agree. Like so often in slashers, I mean, the writing isn't so good that you like all the characters and you feel and you're sad when they die. Normally you go into a slasher and you don't really give a fuck about the characters, really. You don't really care about them, but you also don't really get to know them. I mean, we didn't spend lots and lots of time with these people, but we got it. Again, that's what's good storytelling. That's good writing. Gore Violence, exquisite, exquisite. Performances, again, fantastic. Um, I watched this movie for the first time and walking 
back to my friend's place afterwards, I did not know that Mia Goth plays both Maxine and Pearl. So going into it, I had no idea. So, and I still, watching it, had no idea. So good job on the acting and makeup work that they did for her. Because I had no idea. So we're walking and he's like, oh no, that was Mia Goth. And I was like, what? Dual role? Are you kidding me? It's just like the vibe, the music, the aesthetics. It's overall a fantastic movie. And in my mind, another massive win for Ty West. Mm-hmm. One, my, one of my favorite scenes and definitely my favorite death is the death of the boyfriend in front of the van. Oh, yeah. We have Don't Fear the Reaper playing in the background and as she's killing them, the blood spraying all over the headlights. And then Pearl is dancing with covered in blood with the red lights because it's blood covered lights. I was like, I am so in this movie right now. I was like wanting to shout in the theater. So many times in this movie I wanted to shout, but I was like, <laughs> internally, internally. Internally too. Well, that not also brings up another point that one of the things that really struck me about this film that I really liked, and we we're going to talk about this, is that we were not afraid about sex. And that was something Not that I was noticing yep. with horror over the last couple years is that sex, we were seeing sex less and less. And it's like almost like people were mm-hmm. afraid to deal with or introduce sex into a horror film. And I like that Ty West brings that, top, bring that back again. And he would. He would. Any dislikes? No. I, no. I love this film. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. I only dis- I say I dislike, but like whatever, it's going to happen. Is that Bobby Lynn dies? Because I loved her. Oh my god, did I ever love Britney Snow and relate to her and just like loved her so much? I wish uh, she had her own spinoff.
So let's trail us all back to talking about resentment, romanticism, sex, and pornography, but this time in X. Yeah, so we got some things happening in X with resentment. So once again, resentment is that low, is that form of low grade, grade anger. It's people end up feeling defensive or triggered when things don't feel fair to them. And there are intense levels of anger. And we see this in X with Pearl from the mm-hmm. get-go. She has this intense anger towards these young people on her property who are being very provocative because we know that she's envious. Um, which brings mm-hmm. us to also kind of talking about this idea of her resentment is bred from her age. It's bred from her fact that she is aging. She is not the sexually young, viable woman that she used to be. And she sees this being flaunted in from her. And that brings us to talking about this concept of like, we're not going to get into exploitation. That will be something that we will address longer down the road. But we toy with this. We talk, we see this in this film, this obsession around the image of an older woman being seen as a monstrous hag. And Pearl, it's she can't produce life. She's uh, a decaying, dying body, and she resents that with all her being. I think that everything just like it got exasperated with age. Yeah. Because she obviously didn't fix, quote, fix her life. Nothing changed. All she had to do was adapt. And how she adapted is continuously killing people and Howard being an enabler of this and getting mad. He's like, I'm just fucking frustrated because people keep coming (laughs) on their farm and enticing his wife. And now we have to kill people because that's what she that's what she needs to get some kind of release. And I feel like that just got again, it just continued and exasperated. And then it's even worse because you're right where she's riddled with age and that can be really extra powerful, right? And again, we talk about resentment is that perceived unfairness and a source of resentment can come from envy, jealousy. We covet what we see every day. Just watch Silence of the Lambs. That stuck with me. But we covet what we see every day. So for her, probably sees a lot of people, but predominantly we're talking about X and then that is like an explosion of anger and fury and resentment talking about aging and we read this uh, really great article that frankly I thought was super negative and I don't particularly agree with and we'll see what you think Jess but it is touching on the concept of the quote monstrous hag I personally don't think that she was portrayed as that I think that we as spectators and we in the audience are putting that onto it I don't think Ty West is portraying her that way I thought her desire for sex and then finally when Pearl and Howard have sex because we do see that it's filmed like a sex Mm -hmm. scene yeah which is nice romantic and sexy again some viewers might see that as disgusting I didn't I don't think he portrayed them or her as like a sexual monster. We do see some hesitation or maybe disgust or at least surprise with Maxine. But I think it's because some random stranger has crawled into your bed and is touching you and is nude. I don't know if it's necessary. I don't think it's necessarily the fact that she's an old woman that might have been added to like the whoa extra like what but it's a fact that a stranger has crawled into your bed naked is caressing your skin and it was smelling you and touching you earlier but i don't think that she at all was portrayed that way again other people might review her desire and her sexual body and everything as repulsive or shameful but i don't think she was portrayed as that i don't think ty west did that i agree with you that i don't think ty west did that i think where that comes from is like that already that 
Is yes. that societal narrative that older people yeah. are not supposed to be having sex, right? When you think yes. of your grandparents, you think, you know... That's your parents in general. When you're, like, a kid, if you think yeah, about it. Yeah, you get, like, you're repulsed by it. You're like, no, 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 they can't have sex. Like, you're too old. You can't do that anymore, right? And we, we tend to forget that, you know, when a lot of um, people get older, they're going to have a lot more sex. Hey, they don't have to worry about getting pregnant or things like that. Like, they have a lot more freedom. But we have... Yeah internalize this like grossness of it that we're like mm, no older bodies are not supposed yeah. to be having sex because you're dying you're you know you're <laughs> so, that sounds so horrible <laughs> wow we're, we're aging bodies as well too yes it's just like this societal perception that as you get older you're not supposed to be having sex anymore because your body is yes. not as viable as the youth is and I don't see Pearl yeah. being portrayed that way because bodies age and bodies will change and stuff like that but I think that narrative gets put onto it because that is what the horror genre has educated us for so long to think old yeah. dying old gross you repulsive right the taking of Deborah Logan all these films like that fall into the exploitation genre is like built into yeah. that where I think Ty West was trying to break away from that and be like no 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 yes. and like you said I really like that's a really good point about the sex scene with Howard is actually very touching because yes. he has been so long being like, no, I can't do this, my heart. And she's like, but please, yes. like, you know, and they finally have that connection together. And you see the two of them after like giggling, like, like, you know, they're all happy and stuff like Absolutely. that because they yes. realized that they could <laughs> actually have sex together and it'll be fine. That could have been a whole change and transformation for them. Maybe they wouldn't have to pick up hikers or have these people on his, on their land. And she does sexual things to them and then kills them. I don't know. I really want to see the in-between story. Yeah, I know, right? What happened over the last, like, 50 years? I want to know. I need to know what happened to that bloodied, bruised, pantsless yes. man in the basement. Yes, I'm like, tell me that story. <laughs> How that yeah. started. Yeah, I hope... Ty West, keep making movies. I want this entire universe put into film format, please. <laughs> it's it's just that narrative. And I think that's being, I think that's also being addressed in that film by Ty West kind of saying, well, this is how we, we yeah. view older people. Like even Brittany Snow's character, when she first sees Pearl yeah. outside naked and stuff like that, she's like, oh, what are you doing? She treats her like an old woman. She's like, cover you. And she starts yeah. talking to her grandmother and Pearl's like, fuck you like yeah <laughs> and then i kill you yeah, yeah. feed you to my alligator <laughs> exactly and again the little snippets going back and forth in these movies is really fantastic we know pearl doesn't like blondes and now we know yes. why pearl doesn't like blondes which i didn't really put two and two together until i rewatched pearl again recently but again it's calling back to the movie pearl and how she lost that very important life-changing audition to be you know she wasn't that all-american blonde blonde girl, Bobby Lynn, calls her a whore and saying, you don't deserve to flaunt it into my face, kills her. Oh, Brittany Snow. So sad. It's so sad. But she has that lifelong resentment towards so many things, but to blondes. Like that has lasted like 70 years, this resentment against blondes, which I find hilarious and fascinating. So it's interesting too. So we talked a lot about Pearl's resentment and how much it carries in this film. But I feel like even though we don't Maxine. see it as a lot, Maxine has resentment as well. And I feel like for Maxine, her resentment is her religious upbringing and the fact that yes. she was being yes. denied the life that she feels she deserves to have. Well, part of resentment is it can be the most powerful when it's felt towards someone that you're closer intimate with. So again, a mother and father like Pearl or a husband 
Or for Maxine, it is her father. It is her deeply religious, like evangelical father. She's, yeah, definitely that's going to be an incredible amount of layers and layers of oppression, repression, resentment, anger. Um, But she's definitely angry at him. I mean, she ran away to become like a stripper and a porn star. So she's living a life of sin. She does have that religious repression. And what I thought was really interesting in some of our research, which I never, again, put two and two together, is that Lorraine. Lorraine is the girlfriend. Uh, That's um, Jenna Ortega's character. Thank you. That's her character. She initially, like if you didn't really know much about the movie going in, she has that potential to be the final girl, right? Hesitation to porn. She's wearing a cross necklace. She's chased. You know, you think that she's going to be the one to rise up in a classic, let's say 1980s slasher and even maybe in current ones, but definitely slashers of old. She would be the prime subject to be a final girl but absolutely not because this is 2022 and this is a Thai West film Maxine is going to be our final girl she's outspoken she's ambitious she's sexy she's sexual she's open-minded yeah and it's interesting because Lorraine is what Maxine's father wants Maxine to be Yes, she is the Sunday absolutely. school girl. Like yes. she is like, and that's like one, and that's why it becomes such a huge issue when she decides to like, well, we see Lorraine in the beginning of the film and she's just like, this is not art. This is pornography. What are you doing? Yep. How do you justify this? And she's being very yep. judgmental to everyone around her and stuff like that. But she's there to support her boyfriend. But then when she has, she sees it happen. She sees the power of this sexual, like, revelation. <laughs> she mm-hmm. has, like, this change in herself. Yeah. But, like, she is supposed to be what Ma- Maxine would have been if she followed her father's route of being the chase yeah. religious daughter that he is mm-hmm. preaching about on the television. Because it was interesting is throughout this film is yeah. that we hear his voice. We hear her father's voice preaching about the evils of sex, the evils of drugs, and everything that Maxine is doing. Yes. He yes. is preaching against it, right? So she has this extra resentment towards anyone who tells her no or can't let her do what she wants to do. She won't even let Wayne tell her what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell mm-hmm. right away that Maxine, her relationship with Wayne is business. It is a transactional yeah. relationship because she wants to become a star. Yes, exactly. She will not live a life she does not deserve, which she has says multiple times throughout this movie, insinuating that anything beyond riches and fame is going to be beneath her. She does not want that. She's not going to have that. Yes, yeah, she's not going to have Lorraine's life. This is a Ty West movie in 2022. We're having sex and we are not going to be this character. Um, she's strong and resilient and bold, which I feel like Pearl tries to accomplish so yeah. much of these things, but is it unable to, again, leading to these lifelong feelings of anger, resentment, and yearning, yearning for something more, yearning for sex, yearning for connection, yearning for a life that's rich. And I love it because I just had this eureka moment where like Pearl tried to get that through the age old, if I get a husband, if I have a man, I will have all that. That will give me everything yeah. I want. Maxine? different story she's not there she won't she will use the man to get what she needs to have and we're gonna get into this about uh the porn industry later but 
you can tell by the end of the film she will do this on her own like she shoots Pearl and well then Howard dies by it with a heart attack but like Maxine leaves on her own she doesn't need anyone to help her get the life that she deserves no absolutely not again I feel like separately these movies are great again I love X but when you pair them together they're again these parallel stories of these parallel characters just in different eras yes same ideas same like values and belief system and stuff that they want out of their life but just different eras 1918 to 1979 very different places to be can have they have similar fantasies right these similar romanticized lives that they want like she you know Maxine's gonna be a star everybody's going to know my name I'm a fucking sex symbol she opens (laughs) up this movie with that and Pearl you know, tells us she doesn't have the X factor, but she does. Maxine's got the X factor. She's been told that, you know, and so they are these wonderful parallel characters that want a reality that they can thrive in, both coming from very like repressed lives. They want to be, again, the main character of their story, both again, main character energy, Maxine, Whew. though I think that her character and performance wasn't as like big or was not bigger than the movie because I feel like all these wonderful little characters maybe that's another thing about you know this is set in 1979 a lot more people with autonomy we got personality whereas we didn't really have that didn't really care about Mitzi I don't want to I don't want to hear about Mitzi I want to know about Bob Lynn (laughs) what is she all about tell me more about her you know well that kind of leads us into the generation right you're, you know, we've hinted yeah. a couple times that things are different. Things are different. And things then are changing. Things are changing. And things are different in the 1970s, particularly for sexuality. And a lot of changes were happening. Like, mm-hmm. you know, even though, like, people were experimenting more with sex in the 1920s and stuff like that, like, things were just slow, still slowly opening up. There wasn't really a sexual revolution. And people could argue that really the sexual revolution happened in the 1960s into the 70s, where sexuality went from being family-centered, reproductive model to... An emphasis on what you're saying, Kelly, individual agency. Sex is about selfhood and happiness, and but it could also be commodified at the same time, too. We had these counterculture movements happening with youth movements. We have secularization. We have female emancipation. You know, the invention of oral contraceptive. Like, things were changing. The world was changing. A completely different generation of just so much changes were happening. And so this film really talks about this sexuality and sexual agency and i think that the conversation that they're having in the in the cabin between oh my god that scene which is like literally my favorite scene in the whole movie that i it took all of the power within me not to stand up and cheer in the middle of the theater. You don't see scenes like that in movies. You definitely don't see scenes like that in horror movies. At one point, Bobby Lynn's like, I'm horny. You never hear women say that in film and definitely not horror movies. You do not hear that. Just saying. What about love? What about love? Well, don't y'all believe in it? Of course we believe in love. How can you love someone and still be with other people? You think we don't have no morals or something? Is that it? No, no, I, I I just... Take it from me. Letting outdated traditions control how you live your life will get you nowhere. I don't know about you, but I got better places to be than where I came from. Amen to that. Besides, it's just sex. You can decide who you want to love, but not who you want to screw. Attraction is out of our control. It ain't healthy keeping those feelings locked away inside. I've seen you sneaking a few long peeks at Jackson over here. No, I... It's I okay. wasn't looking... You don't mind none. She's right. Oh, my. 
No offense. Everybody likes sex. It's a guess. We're just not afraid to admit it. Queer, straight, black, white. It's all disco. You know why? Because one day, we're gonna be too old to fuck. And life's too short, if you ask me. Why do that? The fact of the truth of the matter is, we turn folks on. And that scares them. And they can't look away neither. That's right. We're like a boxy car wreck. So what X does really nice is that, yes, it's about the horror, but it's also all about sex. And we, one of the things that's mm -hmm. about this film is that it brings horror and porn kind of together. We have like, horror and porn have always had this like symbiotic relationship because they're outsider films. And often a lot of amateur filmmakers and independent studios start out in either making their own independent horror film or porn. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah, a lot of horror directors started in porn. Yeah, yeah. and often, like and when Kelly brought up earlier, a lot of early slasher films and stuff like that, sex is involved, and we always know our characters mm -hmm. are the ones who have sex, are the ones who are going <laughs> to die first. Whereas this one, that's not the case. Well, this movie is all about sex. Everyone's having sex, but it's these sexually empowered people that end up leave, like coming out of it, you know, and succeeding Maxine herself, not necessarily everyone else in the crew, but it's showing sex in a positive way and it's showing sexual repression as the true villain, this self-hatred that breeds mm -hmm. into a resentment against others because you can't express themselves. And Pearl came from a time where she couldn't really express herself. And now she's no. watching these young women yeah. and these young and these Ooh. older men expressing themselves all over her farm. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a sweet and polite way of saying they're fucking all over the farm. Um, but it's so true, right? This is an era of sex is for fun, sex is for pleasure. And sexual repression, and I know we've touched on this in a variety of like queer horror episodes and stuff like that, but repressing who you are as a sexual identity, as a sexual human being, is very harmful. It is very detrimental, which I think definitely adds into the character of Pearl and her anger and resentment because that yearning for being youthful and young, ooh, that nubile flesh, I can have sex again, because frankly... There are complications with aging. It happens. It's a natural thing. Our bones, you know, our joints hurt. We get arthritis. Like, it truly is more challenging for us to have sex. Bobby Lynn says, eventually we'll be too old to fuck. So have the sex while you can have it. Absolutely. And poor Pearl still wants to have sex, but it's hard. And her sweet old man husband is it's hard right and it lends into like ideas of identity I was thinking that like perhaps romanticizing our lives really is about finding and creating an identity that allows us to live our most authentic lives something like what's something that truly brings us joy and happiness and I think both of these movies are addressing this very well this idea of identity and having a support system and figuring out who you are and surrounding yourself with maybe a chosen family or at least people that help you develop who you are this freedom of your freedom of identity freedom of sexuality and of expression I know Pearl wants to explore her youth and identity but she's always had to be self-sacrificing again a different era a different time Maxine has the privilege of being able to do what she can she has the gumption as well I think again coming from women being so free with themselves and their lives and their bodies and having that ability to do that in the 70s which we could not do in 1910 so while the 1970s were all about sexual expression there's also the era of 
sexual commodification. And this brings us into the golden age of porn, or also known as porno chic, which was really interesting reading about, which is this 15 mm-hmm. year period from 1969 to 1984, when the American porno industry and sexually explicit films became, were, were able to be enjoyed on mainstream and had some commercial success. And like we said earlier, this often started with amateur filmmakers and the first commercial or mainstream uh, sexually explicit film that came out um, in theaters was Andy Warhol's Blue Movie and Mil Osco's Mona, which were the first adult erotic films that were depicting explicit sexual themes in theatrical releases, which would then be followed by infamous films such as Deep Throat, Behind the Green Door, The Devil and Mrs. Jones, and the film itself, X, is set during the period of the golden age of porn in the 1970s. We see Maxine, mm-hmm. this character, she's not far off from Debbie, the character in Debbie Does Dallas, which is an infamous film. The market was super competitive because success and desire for porn during this wonderful golden age of pornography was at an all-time high. Critics were actually appreciating the art form of pornography, and it was it was acceptable. It was fine. And so we could kind of see that bit of that anxiety in the film X. They're like, okay, we're gonna shoot this on film. We're gonna have like this story. We're gonna shoot it in this way. It's gonna be like, people are gonna love this. This is going to be really unique and refreshing. And they're trying to break into that market, right? I mean, they have excellent stars and they have this new like budding filmmaker, right? Our little independent mm-hmm. filmmaker who sadly is the first one of the crew to die and that wonderful death he's but he starts to like try to put his little spin on it to make it a little bit more like quote artful like something a bit different than what we're trying to see right but this is uh we also during this time because everything was so competitive saw this return to like low budget filmmaking low budget porn filmmaking and i'm sure these people don't have much money to work with they're like doing kind of like an airbnb at this farm because it's so but you saw that i really really enjoyed that um in this in this movie Well, it's really interesting, too, because we're seeing that, like you said, pornographic films in the 70s were often about storylines that converted over to sexual activity because, like you said, they had to meet artistic merit to avoid obscenity charges. So Mm -hmm. in 1973, we had the case Miller versus California Supreme Court case, which which defined what obscenity meant. And it went from being utterly without socially redeeming value. So anything that had that could be could be seen obscene if someone decided that has no social value. But then it changed to lack serious artistic, political, or scientific value. So this was where uh, judges could seize pornographic films and they could deem themselves as something that are not have artistic value or they don't have political value, despite the filmmaker's effort to add these artistic merit to these films to avoid these obscenity charges. So it's like... It was like this golden age of porn because all of a sudden you had these return of low budget films. You have all this competition for Hollywood because like Kelly said, film critics and celebrities were going to these films. But with all with all good things come the bad things. <laughs> and when, like Kelly said, I was we were getting more competition and more low budget filmmakers are having, we were having a more saturation in the market, but then we were seeing projection of pornographic films concentrated in New York, which often has a criminal element to it, which when you add into the more criminal element of pornography leads us into the very unethical practices of porn in the 1970s, where 
it wasn't necessarily ethical, some of the things that were happening in some of these films. Um, a lot of pornographic films were seen as vehicles for patriarchal ideas about sex um, and what feminine sexuality should be and how it should be portrayed to mass audiences. A lot of actresses in these films often had to be in some sort of un like unbalanced relationship with a lot of powerful men in this industry. So there was abuse, there was substance abuse. So it was like, while there's like this good thing about pornography coming out, people were challenging these sexual narratives and there were a lot, there was a lot of support for porn because there was also part of the sexual liberation and people were exploring their sexuality. As all things, there is always a negative side to it. There's always a bad side, unfortunately, with, I think, everything, because we can't, humans can't have good things without making bad things out of it as well, unfortunately. There was a, a quote in the, in the movie that I liked a lot uh, when talking about, like, low-budget filmmaking and whatnot, and it really transcends genre, but porn makes stars out of regular people. You don't need fancy Hollywood. And it's true, like amateur filmmakers you don't need a big budget to make a good movie and that just is a thing i stand firmly by for all genres micro budget filmmaking low budget filmmaking again this this would be easier to do in 1979 than 1918 but pearl literally is watching somebody make a porno movie they're making the farmer's daughter so like when she secretly watched the stag film so many years ago little peeping through a little hole Pearl is watching porn in front of her eyes, and this time it's live, but either way, she is not able to participate in it. Then, because she didn't have the means, now, because she is older, and they would want not want her to be in a porn, and I'm sure there's a fetish somewhere for that, but besides the point, she's yearning for something. She loves beauty. We know this. She loves, like, art beauty, youthfulness. She's liking their skin. It's because they're youthful. But, and we see this all in Maxine. She's like enthralled with Maxine in it because she's the embodiment of everything she wants and wanted and resents. <laughs> <laughs> and Maxine knows, like Maxine knows that, like, like you said earlier, she's a sex symbol, but she also knows that both her body and her ambition will get her to where she wants to be. And she's not afraid to yeah. use it. She's not afraid to do no. what she needs to do. And that is the difference between her and Pearl. Like, Pearl was willing to do what she needed to do, but at the same time, too, she held herself back because she wanted to be loved. She wanted to be admired and adored. Yeah, Maxine wants to be admired and adored, but she doesn't give a fuck about being loved because she, like, no. he says, like, she talks about it in that speech. There's a difference between, like, sex and love. Like, what we do is not, is not, is not love. It's lust. <laughs> No, I feel like she has enough self-love. And again, I can relate yeah. to that. She has so much respect for herself and ambition and self-love that she doesn't need. Again, you like I think you hit the nail on the head with her, um, re quote, relationship with uh, Wayne. She doesn't really need him. She doesn't really want him. It's just that he is a means to an end. And they both get it. Hey, man, it's still a pretty good inter this pretty good situation they both have there. More so on his part. It's Mia Goth. But she is, I think, so relatable. And I think that's what makes her character so much of another, another force to reckon with. Because we get towards... 
we get to this wonderful ending where Pearl's like, you'll turn out just like me. And she's like, I'm nothing like you. I'm a fucking star. Like she is going to be so much more than Pearl could ever be because she has the self-love. Maybe there's that aspect of that. But, you know, Pearl called her a deviant little whore. I don't think she really means it. I think she's just so fucking mad, but she has so much anger that Maxine is living her own life. Maxine is living the life that Pearl wanted, right? She has that bodily autonomy, the sex, the rich, exciting, captivating life. And it ends in this like violent, bloody battle with again, Maxine coming out on top, right? She comes out on top and she's going to, you know, which is something unexpected while she's living in this quote, life of sin. Yeah, it's interesting that she lives and Lorraine doesn't. That's very true. So it will be really interesting to see Maxine's journey in Maxine. Just knowing the history of pornography and... Like, you know, she's either going to have a great time or she's going to have a rough time. So it's going to be interesting to see how Maxine navigates that. And if she does, like, kind of, does she finally, does she live the life that Pearl always wanted to live and not become what Pearl became? Or does she become like Pearl? I don't know. I'm super curious to see how that all comes full circle in the end. Because like you said, we brought it up before. It's different women in different generations. It will be Maxine in the 80s. um, But... There'll always they'll, they'll probably be another woman. There'll probably be, be a new like Maxine coming up behind her, right? And that will be interesting to see how she handles competition. Right, right, exactly. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting. You're right. I'm so excited. Pearl wasn't didn't see. I never saw Pearl seeing Maxine as competition. She saw that Maxine had that X factor, and she wanted. She yes. saw herself in Maxine, and she just wanted to have that again, or to feel that again. Agreed. So an excellent parallel lives, just in different eras. Again, putting them side by side has just been so wonderful because I feel like Maxine and Pearl are both very relatable, and obviously at some points not so much, but generally speaking, very relatable. These these foundational. Feelings, these desires that they both want come from a place, a good place with good intentions and that are very relatable places that I think we all want for ourselves. And of course, they're movies. So there's going to be cinematically, you know, bigger and brighter. But like, they're just so wonderful to watch together that it's uh, I feel like they really just go hand in hand. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what Maxine has to bring and see it as like this trilogy and to see if they all just boom, 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 kind of all again, continue to be kind of parallel lives and just be really interesting movies to watch. You're a fucking sick symbol. And now we've arrived at Spencer's final thoughts, this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our sponsor, Brutalities. Since we're spinsters, we obviously love tea. One of our favorite things is to curl up with a movie on a cold, rainy day. Or with a good book. Absolutely. With a mug of delicious hot tea. Brutalities is a company that we discovered at a horror convention and fell in love with. They have a variety of tea blends from black, white, and more, but what stood out to us was not just how yummy they were, but their spooky and metal-inspired names. With Screamsicle and Children of the Candy Corn, we thought Brutalities were a perfect match made in... I am obsessed with Tiramisu. And I'm currently obsessed with Banana Bell. 
So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For our Canadian fans, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. So coming back to what Ty West said about horror and porn, they're both always outsiders. They always have been. And he says, I wanted to take the trope of sex and violence that is typically lowbrow and try to do something crafty with it. Having never made a slasher movie, which are mostly people just getting murdered, I wanted to do something a little unexpected that isn't just about people getting killed. X is subversive, refreshing, and captivating. It lacks the male gaze. Women die fully clothed. We're no longer killing our quote immoral fodder or you know for our conservative beliefs because they're having sex and living open sexual lives but from jealousy and jealousy rots you to the core pearl is poignant and important life is hard and bleak but it makes us ask ourselves some really important questions what brings us happiness what do we look forward to what reality have we shaped for ourselves and is that fulfilling i think we can all definitely take a page out of the pearl and maxine book and say to ourselves i will not accept a life i do not deserve these were two really refreshing films from 2022 that i was really happy that to see and be able to jump on and have a conversation about because really the conversations around these two films are really just starting like kelly and i just approached a couple themes in these films that we are, we felt really drawn to which is sex you know the history of pornography which is a really interesting element that comes out of these films and makes you think about how it's connected and related to sex also the topic of resentment and romanticization and how you know resentment can grow and build and really distort a person's perception of life and how sometimes romanticization while it can be good there's also dangers that come from it but those are just like a couple themes that I see in these films as we go on you know there's new narratives talking about age and ageism and sexuality and age and I can't wait to see more and talk more to people about those themes that present in this film there's also the the concept of what isolation can do to you and mental health and I see both Pearl and Maxine as two people who were probably both very isolated from the rest of the world. Pearl, we know she's isolated because of a pandemic, but also because of her mother's concerns about her mental health. And instead of helping her with that, she isolates her from the world. And I think I would 100% believe that Maxine was probably also isolated from her world as well because of a highly religious Christian upbringing. So there's just so much more that could be impacting these films. And I really appreciate that we've already started to open up the conversation about some of these ideas that have in this films. But most importantly, these films were refreshing. There were new narratives on topics that have been talked about over and over and over again. It was finally nice, like Kelly said, not to see the people having sex be the first to die and see sex actually being celebrated. And but then also addressing the idea of resentment, how if you don't speak up about what you want or what you need in your life, your resentment's going to build within you and it's going to be destructive and it can be a really destructive and, and powerful force. So I'm really excited to see more what comes out about these films. And yeah, I really can't wait to see what Maxine brings to those conversations as well. And that ends our episode on the powerhouse films X and Pearl. We want to thank Dance of the Dead for our brand new intro-outro music, Kiss of the Creature. And to all of you listeners, we want to remind you to follow us on our website, spinstersofhorror.com. We are on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search for Spinsters of Horror. Please also join our Facebook group. Come hang out with us. It's called the Spinsters of Horror Coven. 
We also have a Letterboxd account called The Horror Spinsters, and you can also find us on YouTube under The Spinsters of Horror. And guess what, guys? I launched a book club this year, so you can also uh, join that book club through the Facebook coven, as well as reach out to me and I can send you over the Discord server because we read a new book once a month. So until then, as well, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on any podcasting app that you use. And we also have merch, so please visit TeePublic to purchase one of our t-shirts. Next month, we are boldly going where we haven't gone before and touching upon the taboo subject of necrophilia, talking about two films, Kissed from 1996 and the infamous film Necromantic 2 from 1991. So until then, remember, the future of fear is female. Female.